Welcome to Juniper Meets North of Love with Katie and Nalani, a podcast for moms by moms where we guide women to explore the world around and within them through real conversations with real moms. With seven children between the two of us, we fully understand the trials and triumphs of motherhood. We also know firsthand the spaces that are lacking and where moms need more support, education, and encouragement. We are here to fill in that gap. We're so excited you're here and look forward to building a beautiful community with you. And if you're really digging the content we're sharing, then don't forget to hit the subscribe button and to share on your favorite social media. Let's get to it. On this week's episode, we have Brittany Lawler. After yearning for inspiration during her years of motherhood, she found it in her yoga and mindfulness practice, an anchor to sustaining wellness every day. Navigating mom life and managing PTSD after trauma has had a profound impact on how she shows up authentically for her family and her business, Yoga with B. She's a 200-hour registered yoga teacher and has certifications in workplace mental health, stress management, meditation, nidra, qigong, and yoga. You can find her offering a dreamy meditation, mobility-focused classes, or volunteering time to give back to her small rural community. When she isn't sharing bits of her wellness business, she is chasing waterfalls in the mountain, tending to the vegetable garden, or talking to her chickens. Being well and finding joy in the mundane keeps her feeling optimistic and curious about life, motherhood, and her soul's purpose. So welcome, Brittany. And Brittany and I go way back. Like, I feel like I need to share that too. So <laughs> Brittany is one of our friends from White Court. And, uh, she's also from New Brunswick as well. So I don't know. I feel like her grandparents lived where I was from. Although I don't really remember Brittany that much when we were little, but I remember your brothers. So then I think I was a little bit boy is Katie's grandmother babysat me in church. Yeah. (laughs) So we did grow up in separate towns, but too many connections to, to list for sure. It's just like all like intertwined. Even now there's the Browns and the, yeah. There's lots of things go way back. But yeah, is for sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. amazing. So we'll just dive right in, I guess. Sure. Um, actually, Brittany, can you tell us like a little bit about you? Like how maybe like your All right. or what so, makes you the down low, um, married for three years and been with my husband for going on 14, which is crazy. We are just like not compatible whatsoever. He is the yin to my yang (laughs) counterparts entirely. And we morph into this really productive team. We make a great team together. We have three kids, eight, almost six and almost four. I don't feel like it does justice to call Johnny three because he's going to be four next week. It's crazy. So I'm transitioning into this new journey of motherhood, um, a little more independence, I've been a yoga teacher for five years and it has transformed quite dramatically. Um, COVID, of course, we haven't been able to connect in person, but also in my personal life, um, as we lightly touched, I do have experience with trauma after a friend's suicide. And beyond having a traumatic loss, I think suicide is a really difficult loss to grieve regardless, but it was overall just an extreme threat to my experience, um, safety, my nervous system. So I had a, I like to refer to it as a mild dose of PTSD because, you know, I was able to manage it, um, with mindfulness practices, of course, but just a spectrum of wellness. And we're going to touch base probably on a lot of things that, you know, have encompassed what I offer towards mindfulness and wellness, but, um, coming from the experience of such an extreme trauma, 
the offerings have changed <laughs> in the last two years, more so oriented, you know, rewiring happiness is something I'm so into Rick Hansen. I'm probably going to quote him 10 times today, <laughs> but just the science of happiness going to therapy and focusing on the negative, focusing on the negative. It was such a practice of attachment that is like, I don't align with that. I'm like a periogran on attachment. It's fleeting and floating. It's going to change. So trying to attach myself was, it's difficult for me. Um, dealing with, you know, talk therapy. So I'm like, how else can I work through this? That's not like talking, you know, (laughs) you get talking, you're attached to your thoughts and then you're like, oh, I do feel that way. And then you're spiraling about your thoughts. So talk therapy was really unproductive. And the science of focusing on what makes you happy is just like, it's so obvious. It's your garden. You can have a garden in three senses you can look at it with how it is in its natural state, weeds, flowers. You can take care of your garden. You can pull the weeds. And then lastly, you can plant flower seeds. <laughs> so what kind of garden do you want? And, you know, the flower seeds are your happiness and your struggles and emotions are your weeds. So each day you wake up and ask yourself, like, how's my garden going to look today? <laughs> I spent four hours gardening or pulling weeds yesterday. Yeah. Maybe it's like a metaphor. Yeah. So deep. It is. It's, I don't even know the word is, but that's how we're meant to be. We're supposed to connect with what we're doing and what we're feeling. We're pulling the weeds. You know (laughs) what? Like I noticed yesterday, I was like, at first I was pulling the weeds and I was super annoyed Mm -hmm. because I'm like, why did no one else pull the weeds? (laughs) And then as I got going, and then I was just like, oh, this is actually pretty good. But the first like, you know, half an hour, I was just like, God, this is so much work, blah, blah, blah. But then you just kind of shift, right? And then kind of get mm-hmm. into that maybe mindfulness, but also like you're just out of your thoughts, right? Flow state. So maybe <laughs> it's the same as like pulling your own weeds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At first it's annoying, but then as you start doing it, you're like, let's just it's keep practice. going. Yeah. I like that analogy. That's like a perfect analogy. Uh, it's mm-hmm. so, I mean, I'll just jump right off. Hardwiring happiness by Rick Hansen has changed my world. Like 100% read it, read it and audiobook it. It's double dose. <laughs> Got it. So what, what was the most like profound thing in there? It was there one thing or is there oh, it's, obviously it's a bunch of things? But... It's um, his, so um, I will touch base on mindfulness-based stress reduction, but I should just call it like analogy and acronym center because everything is an acronym. <laughs> like all of the courses and everything, they all have these like four letter words to remember. <laughs> so Rick Hansen's is heal. So to work towards happiness, hardwiring happiness, reprogramming your brain is heal. Having a positive experience right now, me and Eleni are drinking warm coffee. This is a great experience. I'm having it and I'm noticing it. E, I want to enrich it. So I'm going to feel the warmth of my coffee. I'm going to absorb all my senses. I'm going to, ooh, a little hint of oat milk. (laughs) This is my first time trying oat milk. (laughs) So then um, A, I want to accentuate it. So I want to drag it out. I want to make it last 20 seconds, 60 seconds, however long I'm going to take a full round of inhales, exhales, whichever, just make it last longer. I want to accentuate the experience and you can stop there 
if it's just something you're trying to practice, like have the experience, enrich it and accentuate it, absorb it, you can link it. So the L is bring yourself to a really dark, negative weed, something that's reoccurring, something that's really intrusive and try to balance this like center of a really positive experience and a really difficult experience so that we can neutralize all of those alarms that are going off. Oh, that time, blah, 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 the panic. You can feel your hands getting numb, like whatever that sensation is to you. And we get into that emotional overload, or I like to call it hijacking. <laughs> You're just stopped. This heel of Rick Hansen is great. Just that's what the whole book is. That one thought he has many books. This is, I think one of the most basic and obtainable for people that are into neuroplasticity. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'd note that and say, um, cause Brittany did a Qigong class for Morgan. Um, and she had explained that to us. I'm like, obviously you both know my driving anxiety mm-hmm. was up there, <laughs> like to the point of basically not driving. And she had said in the class, like, um, kind of to tag that moment. Cause I felt super good, obviously with something negative and I, I chose it to be like my driving anxiety and it, it does help. Oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think if anything with mindfulness, it's like, it's a practice. Like it's not something yeah. you can just go mm-hmm. into and be like, okay, right. I'm here. And blah, blah, yeah. blah. It's, and I'm, I, I guess that's why they call it a practice, but that's what I struggle with is like in those moments to like, you almost get stuck in that like self pity, mm-hmm. right? Where you're like, oh, I actually kind of like this, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I don't, but I do. Well, and it, that comes from, it's funny. I just read this. Um, I think it was in pleasure zones. Um, so we, feel like we are a better person if we care. So that like suffering circle that we go through, it's like, if I care this much about my betterment, if I just care more, you know, we're a better person. Mm-hmm. And it's such like a quick fix to feeling good about ourselves, like pleasure zones. It's a book about intentional ways of feeling good. And if we tell ourselves, I care so much, I must be a good person. Then we get this like hijack of feeling good of I'm a good person. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think that's deep. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's- do you think it's like practicing it in those mundane moments of like drinking your coffee? Yeah, it is. Those and- little moments. And then that, then you can use that when you're in the state of panic or you're, you know, you're having like driving anxiety in that moment. Do you think it's something that you have to practice in these little tiny moments to then practice it in the big moments? Yeah. Well, I think it comes to retraining yourself to strive for more good, to strive for more happiness. So in these moments of happiness are louder, making you to be more resilient in those moments of, I'm going to try so much to stay relevant, but I can't help it. Um, So another acronym is a PEMS check-in, which I'm not sure it's commonly practiced in like, you know, addictions or whatever, but uh, Michelle Fierot, one of my yoga teachers, it's one of her restoration practices and it's a physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual check-in. And you can do that 100 times a day. You can do it once a week, once a month. And it's literally just where am I at right now? Physically, oh, I'm feeling good. I just oh, I ran a race. My knees hurt emotionally. I'm like excited because I'm here mentally. I'm like nervous. It's a little more permanent than excited. It's a little fine line. Spiritually, I'm feeling connected to you ladies. I'm, you know, community mm-hmm. oneness. So I know that I'm coming in here with excitement and nervousness. So 
if I'm focusing on how this can go badly, I'm focusing on the the bad, the stress or the weeds. <laughs> I'll keep this going the whole yeah. time. <laughs> no. If I'm focusing on how happy I am, I'm so loud in the sense of getting a broader community of people to talk to, to share my practices. And it's the positive psychology rather than the negative psychology. It's a lot easier to put ourselves where what feels good, like the excitement of sharing or community, that sense, or like the nervousness, the judgment, the fear, right? I want to stay in the positive psychology. It's more through my body. It's like vibratory, you know, rather than like heavy fear, like closed off. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I'm trying to remember what the it's PNI. Have you ever heard of PNI before? No. Um, I'm going to maybe butcher the pronunciation, but it's like psycho neuroimmunology. Okay. And it's literally the science of mind, body, and the immune system. And they are directly correlated with positive psychology with your brain wanting to build these positive connections instead of getting stuck in that circle. And I love that you said circle spiral, because there are so many of them like in our layers of being, but in our brain, it's just like fear, 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 negative thoughts, judgment. And it's so dangerous for your brain to mental traits, bring neuro or no mental states, bring neural traits. (laughs) So the more we're in this mental state of fear and anxiousness, we're creating those neural traits. It's just going back and forth, round and round. I'm scared. My body's tense. And that's when we get physical immune issues. Yeah. Sickness, disease. It's deep, every layer. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. PNI. Um, I might've said like, it might've been a different neuro word or psycho or physio. I don't know. (laughs) No, that's super interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. So do you find, do you find yourself like almost saying those quotes or those acronyms like in little, yeah, I I am. um, (laughs) We all know how Brittany studied in high school, like acronyms probably. Hey, (laughs) yeah, Yeah, there's a lot of good ones. Um, Should we just take a moment to share some of them? Yeah, go ahead. Um, So when I'm feeling triggered and I'll keep this base of like PTSD, I'm just physically feeling triggered. And then whether we want to call it like a panic attack or anxiety, like it could be physical, it could be angry thoughts, whatever the trigger halt, hungry, angry, lonely, tired. (laughs) (laughs) It's like we're children. And um, that's one of the most useful things that I got from therapy is an eating clock, a like good quality sleep, just trying really hard to check off my basic needs as a human being, like getting your blood work done, finding out if there's any obvious deficiencies, checking all the boxes. So that's one of my favorite ones. Halt, hungry, angry, lonely, tired. (laughs) It's probably, um, no, my husband works at camp two weeks at a time. I'm probably lonely. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so then another one is rain recognize what's happening, allow the experience to be there, investigate with kindness. We don't need to be critical of like the stress we're having. And then the N is for natural awareness. So, and none of these are we like diving into the thought we're not getting into our brain yet. We want to keep it really physical. 
we want to keep it like a physiological response of stress because that's where it starts the triggers in your body and your heart rate. And that's the nervous system all kicking in. We all know the tiger story. Don't need to get into that. There's no tiger. (laughs) Um, And then snack, stop, notice, accept, be curious, be kind. So those are the ones, depending on where I'm at, that it's all about just stopping and pausing, noticing, accepting. Pam's check-in is very similar. Stop, pause, physically, emotionally, mentally. Spiritually, sometimes I do a PEM check-in, like (laughs) depending. Spiritually, it can be like kind of a confusing question to just ponder so quickly when you're trying to talk yourself off a ledge. Yeah, that's true. I think when you're going through any of those like trauma, trauma or grief or anything like that, it's like Mm -hmm. you've said with the halt, like you just go back to the basics. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's all you can do is like, it's as a mother, (laughs) sleep is one of the most difficult things to control. Like you can't Mm -hmm. help it if you don't sleep that night. Um, and it affects every, you can't function properly. Your hormones aren't releasing properly when you're tired. Like, I don't want to know what four years of prolonged lack of sleep is doing to my, <laughs> in, in one of my audiobooks the other day, it's like, you are not getting better with age. You are getting worse. <laughs> and I was just like, oh my God, no. But like yeah. the lack of sleep and grief and trauma, and you're having so much stuff going on in your body. You just, you need your kids to sleep mm-hmm. and they're not. And you're like, I know I need a good sleep tonight. How can we find rest? How can we be restored without actual physical like REM cycle <laughs> melatonin yeah well, and then you just, then you just groggy. so that's when a lot of these um parasympathetic practices can come into play like a knee practice they say the slump of an afternoon just do like a 10 minute you're just giving all of those signals a moment to just like slow down a yoga practice you know release the heart rate. We're calm. If we can't sleep, at least allowing ourselves to get to that state of just relaxing. My mom always said that she's like, if you can't sleep, like you just have to rest. Resting yeah. is just, just as bad, just as good as sleeping. An intentional I said rest. That to of the day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Intentional rest, something that a bubble bath. Um, it's one of the most difficult things when you're a mother and you're being told all these things that are going to make you be well, like Oh, just leave the kids, just go for a drive, get some time for yourself. And you're like, how that's so yeah. obvious. I feel you, but like, yeah, it's not, where am that. I going to put my kids? Yeah. Like, it's I can't so, leave them at home. We got to find these small bites of moments to just restore. And yeah. that's when I love the heal practices. Like you said, you just do it in the mundane. Like, how do you find yeah. happiness? And you know, those, how can I restore myself? while I'm doing the dishes, right? Ugh, dishes, right? <laughs> That's actually the a lady I was seeing. Cause she does, she's actually a medical doctor, but does kind of, and then she went to naturopathic and then she made her practice. So it's covered by Alberta healthcare, but it's focused around mental health. And she was like, she does a lot of the Byron Katie stuff. I don't know if you've heard 
of that. Anyway, um, and she was talking about washing your dishes and how you can use that as like, oh, the soap feels really nice in my hands. Mm -hmm. Oh, like I'm so lucky to be able to do this. She's like, and I know it sounds super dumb that like who loves doing the dishes, but she's like, make it an experience. Right. Like watch the bubbles like float up and look out your window and like, you know, do those little things. I haven't got there yet. I still kind (laughs) of actually don't mind doing the dishes because it gives me a moment just to like be by myself and no one, no one wants to help do dishes. So they're all like gone. Right. Mm-hmm. They're like, dishes are out. I'm out of here. Yeah. I think it's like a presence practice. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I, I, cause I remember the yoga teachers that I had like mentioned that like anything you do, mm-hmm. like you could be scrubbing the toilet and be present, but most of us choose not to. Right. <laughs> yeah. So it's interesting. And also I, I, I have to add that. I love that you said, like, you got to take those bite-sized pieces. Cause mm-hmm. I can remember like in the height of just having like anxiety attack after anxiety attack, there was no way I was going to be going for a drive or taking a nap Mm -hmm. and feeling safe doing it. Like, you know what I mean? So it's like, how do you take those little moments to Mm -hmm. be like, well, as soon as you close your eyes, it's like, there it is. Yeah. (laughs) That's not relaxing. Yeah, exactly. So, um, over the past little while, since you've been navigating mild PTSD, <laughs> that's just what I tell myself to feel better. Manageable PTSD. Manageable. There we go. How has it affected your mothering? It has both. It's affected it positively, and negatively. Of course, mm-hmm. I'm definitely a lot less patient. I have a really hard time when I'm frustrated and frustrated is not even the word overwhelmed. There's so much happening. Oh my goodness. (laughs) And I'm alone for two weeks at a time. So when I'm feeling overwhelmed and everything is just, it's bubbling to the surface. Oh my goodness. I'm angry. That's my first, it's like uncontrollable. And apparently anger can be really productive. (laughs) So, you know, your emotions are here to motivate you. Um, hopefully motivate you towards change. So I started practicing like, what is my body telling me with anger? And what is my mind telling me with anger? And it's made me question, what do I need to change? So obviously my approach, I don't yell a whole lot, but like, it doesn't have to yell to be angry. It can come off as annoyance. It can come off as dismissiveness. And, you know, like at first I was really adamant on, you know, mommy needs your space. Like I I needed my space. Like the bathroom was a great haven, the only lock in the house. Like, and I just, is that why you renovated it? (laughs) Pretty place. Exactly. You needed it to be a little cuter. Um, but I would just go and splash water on my face. Um, juice, like I have calm app. It's similar to headspace, but I love calm app. It has breathing bubbles, emergency comms, like 90 seconds of like, you need an emergency moment and just taking those moments. So I know I need that to show up for myself right now, literally without spiraling into a full-blown panic attack. Mm -hmm. I need to have my two minutes in the bathroom. Mommy needs space. Mommy needs time. At times it was perfect. The kids heard me, but other times like there's two kids banging, beating each other up outside the door. Like, (laughs) I don't know. It's difficult to not feel like you're showing up in a bad way. So that's my negatives. (laughs) The positive is it has made me slow down 10 times. Um, I don't know 
So my trauma happened in the fall of 2019 and COVID happened spring of 2020. So it was probably five or six months. And then it was like ultimate isolation. And honestly, I'm grateful for that. Um, the, the rushing to school in the mornings and packing the lunches. And up until that point, my husband was still home every night. He didn't work at camp at that point. Thank goodness. (laughs) It's crazy how like time and life and work plays into how your life changes. So, um, it was really nice to just slow down and have the time to focus on we don't have anything to do today. We can make pancakes for breakfast. We can have snack plates out on the deck. Like um, it just positively affected the way that I interacted with them. Looking for joy all the time is something that's so easy to do with kids. I read that the children know what's real more than we do. And that quote just like sticks with me. They know what's real more than we do. So what's real today is we're here today. We aren't four months ago, the worst day. We aren't, you know, all the 10 things you have to do next week. Joy is today. Yoga. Yoga Mm -hmm. is now like, let's tie it in. (laughs) Because all we have is like this moment, the presence. And the more you practice the mundane and the daily tasks, it, it, it becomes more simple and having children has really made it easier to find those simple joys. I think I understand summer's anxiety a little more. (laughs) That's a, another like journey of this PTSD. I have a really anxious eight-year-old daughter and being able to relate just the validating and everything with her. I don't think I would have understood it quite the same. Yeah. No, it's one of those things that you can understand until you experience, I think. Do you think like having the kids was like a good, like made you get out of bed in the morning? Yeah. Had you not had the kids, like, would it, mm-hmm. would you, it have pushed you as much to like towards the healing and, and all of that? Well, um, as I lightly said, the practice of non-attachment, feeling sorry for myself, being attached to my experience mm-hmm. would have been so easy if I could just, woe is me? Yeah. Why did this happen to me? How, but I don't have time for that. And so I'm, I'm very fortunate to feel safe enough in my life to be non-attached to everything. <laughs> like, you know, I'm safe in my marriage. I'm safe financially. I, I feel okay. Just be like, Oh, non-attachment, non-attachment. And in this healing of showing up for my children, I could just go from day to day. I could just, it's fleeting and floating. Everything is impermanent. It's all going to change tomorrow. So that was very simple for me to just get up out of bed. It's today. And a periagra is one of the niyamas. Like Mm -hmm. we need to show up for ourselves, non-attachment. We need to move from point to point. Everything is changing. Yeah, I can totally, I mean, not, I'm not really on that Mm -hmm. level of the, the trauma, but just after losing my mom, I'm like, I don't think I would have got out of bed. Mm-hmm. had it not because when there's other people relying on you like yeah you- and for the most part we can acknowledge that we need that in our healing like and that's just I saw your post so many times just to cuddle on the couch with your kids like that's all you need that's what gets you out of bed and then 
it's also the days that you need to put your head down and be distracted. And again, kids like yeah. what great distraction. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you can't be constantly, I mean, it would be nice if you could practice mindfulness all the time and all mm-hmm. of those things, but there's also moments where you just need to be distracted and yeah. mindless, you know, mm-hmm. where you're just like, I'm just going to go for a walk and like answer my kids a million questions and not think about anything else or. And doing things that, you know, are going to make you happy, like skipping or in the garden or playing with the chickens, like just intentionally doing things that feel good. It's hard for people that are just in a constant state of fear with where they are in life that they do feel attached to all their experiences they do feel like what is happening to me right now is the ultimate defining moment of where my life's going to go but that's not the reality like there's an opportunity with every breath like we're not hard hitter that one (laughs) well and like actually you know that's a paraphrase of Thich Nhat Hanh there is healing in every breath yeah with every breath that you take it is just see that as the world is your oyster. Mm-hmm. You're not stuck where you are. Yeah. Well, I think it's like practicing that, like I'm here, I'm now, mm-hmm. because when, when my mom first passed, it was like, Hey, 15 minutes at a time. And sometimes it would be like one breath at a time, right? We're yeah. like, Hey, I can do this. Mm-hmm. Last night I was at a yoga class and she said, breathe through it, which I've heard, I don't know how many times, but it just hit me different where I was like, yeah, you can just breathe through it. Whether it's that annoyance or the anger or, or the dismissiveness mm-hmm. of, of your kids, like all of those things contraction breathe through it yeah yeah contractions all the things right? well, everything and, in life just breathe and through it. they like the more you watch something it will change mm-hmm. so like that's why they get you to focus on your breath so that you can notice how it changes that's why and like let me just ask you a question that was probably your first public class since your mother had passed. Yeah, like, yeah, it was your first time feeling connected and supported, and your mom had is off. Like that must have had a lot of feels. Uh, yeah. Then they had like a little sharing circle. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I don't like. I'm not like. I cry, but I don't cry in front of strangers. Mm-hmm. That's not really my thing. Like I'm usually feel safe. Yeah. Uh, but then I think there's sometimes that you just have to push yourself out of that. Mm-hmm. because there's also someone else there that's going to get something from it too. Right. Yeah. Where I was, and I could feel like that. I was talking about like swirling and I was like, okay, I have to share it. I cannot. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, and immediately I was, just, but it's nice to, it is nice to be, to practice with other people. Mm-hmm. It is. And, and to have someone else like guiding you through a class face to face. Right. It's yeah. just helps you get at it. And then she did like a little knee jerk thing after and shit came up and yeah, I mean, yeah. that's, that's what happens. Right. But yeah. Um, so over the past while, when you've been navigating this PTSD, um, how did you find the strength to keep showing up for your kids every day? Like when, in those moments, when you didn't want to get out of bed, mm-hmm. how did you find that strength to get out of bed or did you, or were you I just like, I'm out of bed is to dive in a little deeper to my practice of non-attachment, like my strength of feeling safe and ground, like in my life. I know I'm going to be okay. And I don't know if like, I'm not supposed to say that. Like, <laughs> I just, I know how much my husband loves me. He's lost his job and got a job the next day. Like, you know, he's an excellent provider. I don't have any fear. He works in the oil field and I feel comfortable in his skills. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
knock on wood, whichever, <laughs> like please support Canadian oil and gas. <laughs> Throw that out there. But you know, I'm just I'm so fulfilled in where I am. I have an acreage, I have 19 pets, I have chickens and quails, and my cup is starting full every day. So it so sounds like it's the people loving, like the love that you were getting from other people and things is what got you, gave you the strength. Yeah. But I think just my practice of not getting attached to the feelings that were coming, I never felt impending doom. I never felt the walls were closing in. Like I can't imagine going through a really heavy experience and having financial worries or like needing to move or, you know, all of these aspects of your wellness wheel, like, you know, job, spirituality, physically, like the wheel, you can't focus <laughs> on all of these areas of your life. And I feel like I I'm, I'm balanced. <laughs> like, you know, there's, there's good and bad and everything, but I'm feeling safe and grounded in my life. And that has made me feel strong enough to just get through the day, go through it. It'll be fine tomorrow. Tomorrow's not going to be any worse than today. Like, um, I think one of the big things, so I will mention it again, as soon as um, COVID happened, my husband lost his job, like oil crashed and he had to go to Northern BC, nice little place called pink mountain. <laughs> At least it had a nice name. That's cute. Yeah. It's a cute name. <laughs> and um, he started working two weeks, two weeks. And my husband is the household cleaner. He's the household cook. He's the fix it, everything. I'm everyone's going to be wanting Luke. He's <laughs> wow. <be> like... <laughs> like I said, we're, we're really grounded and safe in our marriage. <laughs> Can't have him. <laughs> He's mine. Um, so, you know, I'm grateful that he lost his job because I had to show up like nobody's business. I had to fix some pumps like with hot boiling rags on a pipe until it broke. Like I did some things (laughs) I can start generators. I lit the pilot light of the hot water tank and like having to become more masculine. I like to think of it brought me to a stronger version of myself. I'm not so like flighty dependent loose. I'm like, Oh, I need Luke. I got to call him right now. There's, there's a mouse in the floor drain. What do I do? Yeah. (laughs) But like now I'm showing up and I'm like, I'm capable to do this. I can handle it. And I do (laughs) come at me. I could do anything. So, um, that was a really great experience is just having to show up for my house, not my children, not my husband, but just like to run an acreage. There's a lot of things that entail of acreage living is, I don't even know if you have lived on an acreage long enough to really experience it all. (laughs) Sounds terrifying. Well, we have like a handyman. Yeah. We've got like a live in like garden boy. So he kind of, no, we haven't really had like a ton of stuff, but I mean, I'm definitely grateful for my dad and Will's dad. That's for sure. Cause Uh it's just everything, right? It's like chopping wood. Like, do I know how to start a wood splitter? I had a power outage minus 40 building fires. I think it was like nine hours and we pulled the mattresses out into the living room and we had the fire going actually previous to this, I told, I built in a fire and I would die in the woods if I had to chop kindling. Like I cannot, like I can chop wood with an ax, but like the thin kindling to build a fire, like I 
couldn't breathe any harder. And I got like three pieces. Like I was out, I was done. I will freeze. Like, <laughs> so anyways, that was the previous shift, this shift of the power outage. Luke cut me a whole big bucket of kindling so that I'd be good for two weeks. So I did need a man for that, but I had the fire going all day. I, we cooked s'mores and whatever cheese and crackers on the fire. And just as I had the generator ready to just like plug the fridge in for the night and space heaters power came on but yeah (laughs) there's those experiences have just made me feel capable because my trauma made me feel like really incapable and weak so well and just like you explaining your power outage is just like that's mindfulness and joy to a T, right? You're like the power's out and it's cold, but we're making s'mores and we're having a sleepover. Well, and that's how, you know, tying it back. That's how I have to show up for my children. Like I got to feed them. If it was just me, I would have like curled up. I would have probably drove to my mom's. (laughs) (laughs) Like who knows? Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, it's, it's intertwined and everything. Yeah. Being a mom gets you through. (laughs) I feel like it's super easy, not super easy, but it's easier to show up for your children though, because you, because mm-hmm. we love our kids so much. Right. But, um, did you, do you think like you had to find a lot more self-love to show up for mm-hmm. yourself? Oh, and it comes in waves. So, you know, here I am showing up 99% of myself for yeah. everybody else. And then I have just an absolute breakdown, you right. know, like those are the moments where you're like, I'm not showing up for myself. And again, how do you find the time to do that as a mother? Tell me, I don't know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> like, you're like, um, no, that's an actual question. That's not good. <laughs> um, it's, it's suffocating. Like, I don't want to go dark or anything, but on no. those days, I know everybody has hard days and not just mothers, but like, when there's literally no space for you and there's, there's days on days where there's needs and just the spectrum household Mm -hmm. partnerships, children, like whatever meetings, and there's no space for you. And then your body breaks down. Your body tells you, yells at you, whether it's extreme exhaustion or tummy aches or bowel problems, like it's all your body telling you to just have a positive experience. <laughs> yeah. Find some happiness. And I love the, like, find your favorite comedy, find your, your favorite funny Instagram account and just laugh. Yeah. Belly laughter, forcing yourself to release serotonin, like, bam, that's obvious. Let's do it. Like, <laughs> yeah. right. But then it's hard in the moment where you're like, Mm-hmm. You got to stop you yourself. Know, you gotta, you're like, I don't want to laugh right now. You got to <laughs> rain, baby. You need to recognize what's happening. <laughs> Allow the experience to be there. But like, that's the whole stopping and noticing. You're like, whoa, this isn't me. This is my thoughts. And you got to get out of your body. Then your, your mind is taking over. It's hijacked right now. And one of my favorite practices is your five senses. So five things I see, four mm-hmm. things I feel three things I hear. And it's just like, get out of your mind, tune into your body, your body and mind are so like dependent on each other. You need to incorporate the two like constantly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. 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 
and it's not that easy. I'm not coming here to say that it's that easy. It's not, but like, just do it. You got to find the happiness. And once you start doing it, you get so addicted to the feeling of being like feeling good. (laughs) Feels good to feel good. Right. Yeah. Do you think like after the trauma that you experienced that, that really forced you to go down this road towards the, like, you know, Mm -hmm. all the psychological aspects of really yoga and mindfulness? Yeah. Um, I, not that I was feeling lost in the yoga world, but like I live in a small town and we're all trained by the same person. We all went, not all I'm classifying. There are yeah. other ones that have yeah. like gone to Bali or golden or whomever, yeah. but yeah. you know, it, we are a very small town. So how can I show up for my students? You know, I'm very oriented on like functional movement and mobility. And just, I think that was the stepping stone of like the whole wellness thing of obviously our functional movement and brains are like interrelated yeah. and it evolved into how can I show up for my community and men's mental health is something in this community. Like I have skills, I have this lovely toolkit of practices that can get you out of feeling so suffocated essentially, Mm -hmm. because that's a feeling that's strictly in your mind. That's not something that comes from being involved in your experiences. It's not being active in day to day. It's eat, sleep, work, eat, sleep, slave, drive, work 22 hours and expected. So it originally had oriented with men's mental health, you know, our friend's suicide. How did we not see that coming? Like this man has a wife and two young children. Like, isn't that enough to live for? Like the joy of that. So it was immediately how, and I don't want to, it's, I don't want to get into the dire need of middle-aged men that have mental health issues because they don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I was, I'm just making no, a joke, but, but also they don't No, they but really don't they have don't. the opportunity. And exactly. And I, I don't yeah. feel like their biodiversity allows them to acknowledge their feelings the same way a woman does. They don't know that that slight annoyance that they're having is insecurity or, you know, but mm-hmm. us as women, we want to go deep. We're like, Oh, why do I feel that way? <laughs> but like, that's just our feminine ways of being. And right. I'd mentioned earlier, like finding that balance of feminine masculine, like they have traits that we wish, I wish I could be as logical mm-hmm. and just sure of myself as Luke is, but no, like, I'm just like, Ooh, <laughs> yeah. where yeah. is this? So we don't need to get into like toxic masculinity on this motherhood podcast. No, but no, I think it's as wives. We all have, most of us have yeah. a partner. Yes, no, exactly. <laughs> and they're getting to be middle age. So yeah. <laughs> no, there, and but. it, um, it blends very nicely with, you know, what I'm passionate about and aligned with. And I think it all is just incorporated into wellness. I don't think that I need to take my qigong and my yoga and my, you know, workplace mental, like it all complements each other, obviously, like, right. It ties together. Yeah. And I think that's just like you, I need to give you props for that from taking that extremely traumatic experience and being like, 
what can I do to help the situation to help other people? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because for someone to do that is like, you need to give yourself like a round of applause yeah, because seriously. that's, I, had I, I would really, never be able to do that. A deep conversation with my oldest brother and he approached me. He's like, what are you, your gifts or whatever? I forget what the word was. And I was like, well, I'm kind. Like, and he's like, well, what makes you kind? Like, blah, blah, blah. Like, and you know, I'm like, am I a kind person? What makes me kind? And it made me really just pause for a second. And, you know, you get that imposter syndrome yeah. of like, am I a kind person really? But you know, it's okay to notice those positive aspects. Like I am a kind person. Like I show up for my community, like yeah. nobody's business. I fundraise once a month and I stay late to talk to people. And I'm always offering like <laughs> unsolicited insight usually. No, I'm just <laughs> but like, you know, I, I am a kind person. Yep. And I was like, whoa, it feels good. It feels good to feel good about yourself. <laughs> yeah. Just get off on that serotonin hijack. <laughs> right. But we also, I mean, I feel like we end up talking about this every time, but a lot of the time we don't, it's not like we're going to be like, yes, like, let me think about all the good things about myself. Mm-hmm. Cause you find a way to talk yourself so out of it. We're stuck on the bad and right. like, there's this negativity bias. Like we are programmed since that threat, we know it's bad. If we're prepared right we'll be okay and we it's hard especially someone with anxiety or we see the negative so clearly it's yeah. almost like we can feel it before it happens we know it's coming yeah but like we got to allow ourselves to i'm not going to do it heal hea <laughs> <laughs> have a positive experience it's all right. just I'm so used to it now when I feel myself, I'm just like, Brittany, go outside and hold the chickens. <laughs> yeah. Go have some joy. I will just storm out of the house and go do something that will make me feel good. Cause that shuts everything else down. Yeah. I want to feel good so badly right now. Um, I highly recommend the book pleasure zones, Stella Resnick. And um, it's been around for a while, but some people that are anxious all the time, like they're not able to feel good in any sense, physically, emotionally. And there's so many ways of pleasure. It's, I'm not just talking sexual pleasure, but that's like, (laughs) that's one of of the easiest (laughs) ways to feel good. Right. Um, touch. And in most of birthday, like greetings, it's like, I hope you have a fantastic year and you have more orgasms. Yeah. I have two birthday cards from you that say the exact same thing. <laughs> I gotta get a new line, but it's so important. Like <laughs> I'm no sex therapist by any means. But maybe, so like you might have a sex wedge like Shauna, maybe. It's not the only way to feel good. Like you can exercise to feel good in your body. You can get a massage. They say something like 30% of serotonin increase after a massage, like regardless of trying, like if you could go feel 30% better about things, yeah. why not? Yeah. <laughs> um, people complimenting you feeling like a good person, like there's spiritual pleasure, just like being acknowledged for being a great person. Mm-hmm. And I try to not connect too much to like external sources of pleasure because then you just get like addicted to it. Um, 
while I'm talking about it, I was going to bring it in bookmark it, but there's this whole chapter about from utero, how a baby is born to just be addicted to feeling good. So whether it's this immediate fear and pain of coming earthside and then the soothing cradle and swaddle, like um, it's too deep to go into, but it's your inner compass which I'm sure you've both like, Oh, your inner knowing your direction. And I do want to share this with you because as she's saying it, um, when you start to question your heart and your gut, which you're taught to do as an adult, mm-hmm. you know, as a child, um, you're so in touch with your initial feelings, your inner what's right and wrong. Um, so when you question your heart, the French say that you've lost your North. Yeah. And so she's speaking to this about a baby is born knowing that it wants the steady heartbeat, like this monochromatic sound to soothe the nervous system. It's born knowing that it doesn't want fast, hot, bright lights. And the whole chapter is just unreal. Like all the different pleasures that you get in like your first 24 hours of life, essentially, that continue to repeat the rest of your life. And the more we conform into society and the more connections we make and the more pressures we feel, we're just like, our inner compass is clouded. Like we've lost our North. And it, it's so true that you can only fully feel aligned when you know your inner truth, like people can't tell you. And that's where I think I come from a really fortunate place of being grounded. I, I know, think North is up here. Right. You say that, but then immediately what comes to mind, cause, uh, I'm just going to go there. Cause I was mm-hmm. like, can we talk about this? Cause yeah. Brittany was raised as a pastor's daughter, daughter, mm-hmm. a Pentecostal and, pastor. Yeah. I was going to say, I there was a like lot a of right and wrong. Yeah. A pastor's daughter, I feel doesn't quite embody my experience. <laughs> yeah. So as you say, Pentecost, it was no televisions, no pants. You can't cut your no hair. Brittany Spears. Um, I did not get baby <laughs> one more time cassette tape um, as a child, but you know, you come being raised like worldly, everything's worldly. Yeah. And I, I love to change that to being human. <laughs> like yeah. everything that is bad in the church is just simply being human. <laughs> yeah. And, but there was that really strong, like there's mm-hmm. right. And then there's wrong. Yeah, And, and like, I would imagine finding that inner compass would be mm-hmm. very hard to do when yeah. you're just like, you're mm-hmm. going to go to hell and burn forever. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> and you know, it, it is that simple. It is the rapture is going to happen and you're going to miss it. And planes are going to fall from the sky. Like <laughs> yeah, you're, you're born and raised in this idea of impending doom. Like it's not a joke. It's very real. And there are fear tactics. And yeah. Do you remember the movie? It was like left behind. Yeah. Yes. I remember it. watching that in youth group and I was that just like, yes. Oh my God. Yeah. Like, yeah. No, and you know, I feel my heart is with the people that don't have enough inner knowing to interpret that for themselves. Like, however literal we want to take it, like, do I believe there's going to be a shift forward constantly? Yeah. I would be crazy to deny that the world's going to stay as like, we're going through a major shift right now. Absolutely. But like, I don't think humans are going to disappear 
in thin air in multitudes of thousands. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, so I think that's just like a rational. And then um, the question <laughs> of like, what do I believe is really difficult to answer because I'm not denying a God. I'm not denying any sort of, but to my father to this day in conversations, like, Oh, you don't do that old meditation stuff. Do you? And how all I say is like, like deep breathing. <laughs> like, yeah. yes, I do deep breathing. Well, yes, it's a I- prayer type. Like if they actually really think about it and I've heard people pastors say too, like you need to pray to ask for things, but then you need to meditate to receive the answers. Yes. Mm -hmm. Right. If every, but. And I think that once you have enough conversations with, you know, the right kind hearted people in the church, because there are, um, there are good people, beautiful people that share their light with the world. And when you have conversations with them. <laughs> I'm losing. I'm trying to be delicate in what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> so you don't need to be delicate. No, but like, it's just really, I don't think old Perry will be listening to this. So. <laughs> <laughs> but like when you have these conversations with people that come from a really harsh ideology of right and wrong there's no love. You don't feel welcomed. You don't feel safe. But when you meet those special people that are godly, that are just beautiful souls, you can feel that unconditional love from them. It is so lost in it's deeper than appearance, but it is, it's so lost in appearance and delicacy, like preacher preacher's wife like the one that they had their hand on that's going to be going to bible school and things like that it's confusing it's hard to question you know your inner compass and you're like well i feel in my heart that it will be okay if i get a nice tan line with a two-piece bathing suit (gasps) no oh my goodness you need to wear a nightgown and cover those knees not with the boys like Like, I can remember my mother (laughs) like so we transitioned into a less strict denomination probably around like eight or nine and I can remember my mom out hanging clothes on the line knocking on the bedroom window to throw her out a skirt (laughs) because people had pulled in the driveway but like (laughs) in those small communities like yeah you have your appearance to uphold like oh that michelle she's out wearing pants and slacks (laughs) hair was all down in her face and it seems it's hilarious it's so funny to think that people place judgment on that yeah and harsh like they're like my one friend her mom was a piano player at church like for song service and stuff and she got kicked off piano because she got her hair cut I had that experience. <laughs> I was asked not to play guitar in church service because I had purple highlights in my hair. Um, it was by another mother. She had an eight and 11 year old daughter. Her name will forever, like, I guess I need to go back to that young Brittany and say it was okay to have purple hair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like, I was asked, like, they're not comfortable with me playing guitar. And it's like, wow, I'm sorry, I'm such a distraction. <laughs> Because of how you look, right? And I think I'm so much more than how I look, Mm -hmm. obviously. Like, 
I don't put much effort into the way I show up, but like, I don't think it makes me a better or worse person. Yes, we do though. I I always find that interesting (laughs) when people say stuff like that, because it's like, um, this is kind of deep, but like, if you're talking about like from a baby, you have this knowing of what you need and what you want. And I think you have a knowing too, of everything else. Like if we were told nothing else, a lot of us would have a knowing of uh, greater guidance. A lot of mm-hmm. us would have a knowing of who we are and how we want to show up in the world. Mm-hmm. So it's like, we do show up as yeah. we want. You know what I mean? I believe anyways. Like, like, how long can you tolerate showing up as who you are and being condemned for it? Not very long, <laughs> I'll tell you that. And you know, <laughs> I have a really, like when I first moved back to New Brunswick where I connected with Katie's family, I had a really hard time. Like people did not like me. I was judged about how I looked and who right. I was. And, yeah. and like, we're talking like backwoods also, like not yeah, just really. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. Like super backwoods. Hillbillies. Yeah. Like yeah. Phil- <laughs> oh, did your yeah. uncle Phil not live in a shed for his whole life? You know, which one I'm talking oh, about. Pro- yeah. Like they were like, it was, you know, and when you were saying that, um, hillbillies, not in a sense of financial ways, but just like, that's no, that too. Like, like they're yeah. just the, the very simple. Yeah. Like they, I'm pretty sure he had no running water. Like my uncle Keith. Yeah. There's like a lot of, yeah, that must've been, but that's just how they lived. It's, um, so far in the woods. <laughs> yeah. And you know, when you were saying, cause my mom was like a rebel Pentecost cause she yeah. cut her hair and she wore pants and yeah. whatever. And, but she always said like, it matters nothing what you look like on the inside mm-hmm. or on, sorry, on the outside, it's all of what's on the inside, but coming from our church was like the opposite. And she was just so sure of herself where mm-hmm. she was just like, Pfft. and honestly, the people that were you know, wearing their, like, you remember those like clips and then your hair would go in the, like the little mesh thing and they'd like teeth, like, and then they had the big bangs. Like they were like fitting the persona. Yeah. Yeah. Like they had their denim skirts and all the, this, like those were the people that were judging the most Mm -hmm. versus the, I found the women in our church that were cutting their hair and wearing slacks, like heaven forbid, they were the ones that were more accepting. They weren't mm-hmm. trying to yeah. fit in this box. They were like, I'm just here because I love Jesus. And I well, and I yeah. find that those are the ones that are hiding behind God, right? Like they're not yeah. sharing God. They're not spreading God. Like those are the ones that are so unclear of who they are that they need to have this. I don't want to call it facade. I find that's a little offensive, but like, that's what I feel. Well, yeah, it's a surface <laughs> value if you don't have any of your own of your own knowing, because obviously that's also instilled in you. Right. I love the beginning of the crudes where she's like talking about her dad and she's like, dad, dad, dad. (laughs) And I'm like, that's just how, you know, I felt being raised everything, individualism, thought, questioning, everything like that. Why would you question that? Why, why? And I'm such a why person, right? Like that's how I learn. I want to know how it works, why it works. And mm-hmm. you, there's no room for that with strict beliefs. Like, I right. don't know. So how did you go from that to yoga? Um, well, <laughs> so we transitioned, I would say probably in my teenage years, Uh, I still had to go to church every Sunday for sure. But like, I was a preacher's daughter. So, (laughs) (laughs) but like, you know, I did still out of respect for, 
I, I don't know if I had much of a choice, but like I still went to church every Sunday. I still play guitar. But around 17 or 18, when my parents separated, like some things went down and I'm not going to like publicly speak negatively about my dad, but just like I wasn't feeling going to his church. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it came from, I think of this time in my life, I felt the most awakened fast forward two or three years of just like being a young adult and partying on the weekends with Luke, we live together and it's just like, la da. So I had this most awakening summer. I had a great job. We bought really awesome bikes and I talk about the book, Anastasia. <laughs> um, book. yeah. And it was, I remember moving to white court and buying the second book at your mom's store. Like that was, I had just read the first book when I got pregnant with summer and I moved here. So like, um, from a physical standpoint, I did yoga. Um, it was actually my sister-in-law Tiare who's super into hot yoga. She bought me my little hot yoga shorts and Luke had bought me a gift certificate for the yoga studio, but I was pregnant mm-hmm. like first trimester. So we couldn't do it, <laughs> but like the movement was there but the the union of the mind body was just awakening and this book of anastasia i don't even know if it's supposed to be fictional or no. real like i don't know no, it's, it's so it's like, supposed is it, to be real. is it like a fable like is it like a tale no it's supposed to be a man who literally found her yeah and then like obviously i think what did they speak russian or something and yeah it was so translated to english and you know i think it resonated with me because i'm such a lover of nature And in this book, the ringing cedars, like it all came from my love of this. These trees are magical. (laughs) So there's these specific trees that like vibrate energy. And as they're dying, they're releasing it all. So you can only like, I don't know if it's physically absorb it, but I feel like the book speaks to like using it for energy, like Mm -hmm. electricity, maybe not electricity, but like water turbines or something like, and like the tower of Babylon in the Bible was built from these cedar trees. Like it's no joke. It's, it's science. I do believe. (laughs) So he goes to this forest looking for these cedar trees. He's like a merchant. Yeah. And he finds this angelic hippie living in the forest and they, she teaches him just all the ways of knowing and being, and, you know, they really do a great job of impersonating him as just like a city man. He's like a tough, rugged man. And he questions everything. And that's where I was in my awakening when I became pregnant with summer. (laughs) And like, there's a chapter of the book where she's like the most pleasure you will ever feel is when you're creating a child, like allow yourself to feel like creation. And it's funny because my grand, sorry, my grandmother had passed away. I found out like I was pregnant at her funeral essentially. And like, (laughs) I can remember when my grandmother was in the hospital weeks previous making sweet love to Luke (laughs) and just like, that's one of my times of going back and just like, wow, that was like the best sex of my life when I was young. (laughs) I can remember it. Like, right. We don't need to get into details, but like, we must've made summer that night. I would think like weeks later, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm pregnant. And life happened. We went from like, we were 21 and 22 
we moved across the country to Alberta. My mom was out here and like, here's Luke who drives a forklift in a factory is like a hugely qualified gas plant operator. <laughs> like, I still can't believe the way Luke's like a really great career. He just like covered vacation and oh, we like this guy, like yeah. no oil field experience. I think he had three months experience. <laughs> and then we just, life happened. We bought a house, we got pregnant and we got pregnant and we had a garden and like, I'm just rambling now, but the awakening that has followed like that time in my life, when I did my yoga training, which I do feel I need to incorporate that it was a scholarship. I was called two days before it started. And just like, we want to gift it to you. Like it happened. So in the universe of just like you, all you need to do is show up tomorrow. I was thinking that actually when you just before this podcast, I was thinking about that. Cause I was supposed to take that same training. You were we supposed moved. to. And yeah. And then I also, I was like, after yoga last night, I was like, ah, oh, like, you know, you just like kind of forget how much you love teaching it. And I was like, I also get a free yoga training as well mm-hmm. that you're like, okay, there's a reason why that happens. And mine was also two days before it was a Thursday and I had to go on Saturday and I had to figure out what the fuck I was going to do with my kids. And like, yeah. you know, but then you do it and you make it happen that I remember, I remember vividly when you, when Danielle and Michelle had gave it to you and you were mm-hmm. so And like, excited. I really struggled postpartum with Willow. Like, I'm sure that's where you go back when you think of me and motherhood is just Willow scream. I remember holding Willow <sighs> and her scream, like she, she cried a lot. And you're like, I just, I'm like, I'll just hold her. And I remember like going to the basement and you were upstairs and like, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I have always liked movement. I've always done yoga as a young adult, like from back in the day, probably, you know, 18 years old. And after Willow, like I maintained my practice, but it was probably six months postpartum that I'm like, I need to go to the yoga studio. Like, do you remember that class you went to you, me, Tiare and Rhea? And that to me was like, I need to come here more and I need to feel this good. So I think my approach to being a yoga teacher comes from, I loved my home practice. I had a strong home practice for years but it wasn't until I got into the space of a great teacher and the community of the yoga studio that like, it felt like home. So I went hard that first year I did like the 21 day challenge. I went to yoga class every day for 21 days with my six month old baby that would scream the whole time I was gone, but I needed to do that. Like, yeah you know, I was mostly, I feel like I haven't given Michelle a shout out yet. I have an amazing mother (laughs) who enables (laughs) me to do a lot of the things that I do. So, you know, it would be dragging the girls to my mom's house, going to a one hour yoga class and just beaming. So after, you know, a year of that here, I'm presented with the chance to share my practice, be a teacher. And I, that had never even crossed my path. Like I just, I love the way it made me feel. I loved the metaphors that you get off the mat. Like, mm-hmm. how can I use this not holding my breath when I'm uncomfortable in this pose to get me through tomorrow with a crying baby? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you think that let familiar, fam- familiar, 
familiar i can't familiarity yeah that one there you go uh like you said you felt like home in the yoga class and the community and stuff Mm -hmm. do you think that also growing up in a church the church is a a very strong Mm -hmm. community Mm -hmm. where you do have that do you think that's where you really like wanted or felt at home in that i think the connection was definitely important because I had just moved to white court. Like I didn't, you know, have a huge circle of friends and I think I definitely felt connected, but it was just a connecting to myself. It was a home coming home to me. Like, I don't know who I am. Like I just had baby after baby. I was 21 years old running a bunch of Claire stores and here I am with unlimited time and people yeah. and there's no self-discovery in that. Like, unfortunate. Well, there is, I shouldn't say that, but like, there's a lot of who am I also. Yeah. So it was more, yeah. Coming home to myself and then coming home to myself repeatedly, not losing myself. And I did my yoga teacher training So here's my baby crying, breastfeeding. I stop, I go to yoga school and I'm immediately pregnant with Johnny. (laughs) And I can remember just, um, it, I was on birth control. It was surprising. It was following a miscarriage. And I can remember just like, actually, um, the miscarriage was the epiphany, not Johnny specifically, but it was just. I'm finally doing something for me. I'm finally doing my yoga teacher training and I'm pregnant. I'm going to have to stop and like Mm -hmm. postpartum. And I put a lot of pressure on myself there. And like, I taught until I was 34 weeks Mm -hmm. pregnant. Um, I taught six weeks postpartum. I showed up and you know, it's, Oh, it gives me the goosebumps. (laughs) And I, yeah, like when you say I showed up, like you showed yeah, up for yourself. I showed yeah, up. And that's what I was like. Whew. And that's like, yeah. I want to keep tying that in. I am so grateful to have a life that I can show up for myself when I really, really need to. I know a lot of the times I'm like, ah, woe is me, but like, no, um, I'm able. And it's not just a self-drive. It's like, I'm my mom and mm-hmm. I got gas in my car and all of the things that align for me to show up, but showing up through children and losses. Like we lost our mother-in-law and to show up for my showing up for myself through PTSD is definitely the hardest, obviously, because you don't Mm -hmm. feel worthy. You don't feel, you feel isolated and alone, but it's easy to also show up when you're telling yourself you're alone and nobody understands when you're surrounded by love, like, (laughs) But it's, it's also kind of a gift to be able to like, cause I mean, you weren't alone, but also you are alone. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? It is a gift to be able to, to learn how to, to show up for yourself when all you have is, is yourself really to that understands mm-hmm. what you are walking through. Um, and yeah, I've, I mean, I've said this to you like a million times. I love yoga. I think everyone should do yoga because there's always something to learn, but I'm not like a yoga girl <laughs> I'm not like a yogi you are but I was gonna say I feel like I think like you doing this is like you living your purpose for sure I feel it I feel really connected when I'm teaching and 
that was the most difficult part of like, I don't know if we're supposed to be ignoring COVID or whatnot. I think it's the third time I brought it up, but like being disconnected from my community for a year has solidified that like, no, I need to do this. I need to show up for these people. Um, the amount of students that have just like cried with the studio reopening, like mm-hmm. that's what it's about. It's about just needing the space and the community. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's like spirituality, just being connected to your people, knowing that yes. there's oneness. You can sit down with a group of moms and be one with her suffering and experience because whether or not we've been through the same thing, we get it. We we've resonate. We're on the same level of feeling. Yes. And that connection to me is spirituality or huge section of the pie of the wellness wheel. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, Jumping ship a little bit. I mean, you've, you touched on and mentioned Luke a little bit, but Mm -hmm. do you think that he's always supported you in your self growth? Or do you think that it's something he learned to do as he gained wisdom too? Um, you definitely pinpointed it. It's been adjusting a lot together. Mm -hmm. Um, he's very like blue and pink. It's, (laughs) and I think it's, it's really difficult. And I don't say this to like diminish feminism or anything, but in our lifestyle, he needs to go to work. He needs, he's on call. And that was a really hard part about his job is he's on call every night. And 80% of the time he does sit down at the table and have to leave. So how can I plan to go to a yoga class and him have to go to work without resentment? Yes. And then like fighting about it later, you're keeping me down, like whatever it is, we kind of tell ourselves. (laughs) And, you know, we've, this camp life has just shifted everything. Just having him gone for two weeks and home for two weeks. It's a lot easier to focus on what we're doing and him supporting my lifestyle while he's gone, because, you know, I have a whole other life with the kids and going that he's not a part of. So that has helped him shift into when he's home it's less of well you know you should really do this first or yeah whichever because his language of love is like doing and acts of service very task yeah acts of service very task oriented and of service you know a girl (laughs) (laughs) um (laughs) anyways um so luke in our wedding vows said to me so I started managing the yoga studio I think Johnny was six months old and it was motivated by self-identity yeah I was inspired it's my community but like I definitely had to put two different hats on and the balance of work life was hard and there was a lot of conflict and a lot of tension just of constantly being going or preoccupied. And I didn't, I was resentful about it. I'm like, there's no way that we can't make this work. Like there's ways to make it work. And then he'd say something real stupid, like, Oh, well, if the house was clean, it wouldn't be a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> I just can't. But like to him, that's what's important. Right. And it's funny because I took this stress management course and I'm like, 
I don't resonate with any of these types of stress. It's like, I have too much to do my calendar, my deadlines. And I'm like, my stress is everything is going to go wrong (laughs) and impending doom. So like the practical tools of like not procrastinating (laughs) and stuff like that, they weren't relevant to me, but it kept igniting in me. This is how Luke's brain works. Like, right. This is what must stress him out. (laughs) Yes. And that really shifted for me. It's like, okay, how can I honor him? He doesn't care if I write him a love poem or if I want to hold hands. He cares like he does care. Yes. But like, if I'm going to feed his soul and I'm going to make him feel good, he's going to come home and not have to mop the floors. So it started to come from, you know, focusing on the positive and the negative. So it's like, I have to mop the floors because Luke's coming home. But now it's like, I want to bring Luke joy. So what's the one thing that I know that will make him happy? Oh, clean white floors. Awesome. I can do that. So we both shifted entirely on how we work together. And I love to say that we're in harmony 10% of the time (laughs) because we are, we are so like, sometimes they'll say something. I'm like, that is not at all what I thought you meant. Like we're on separate pages right now constantly. And it is so hard being in a marriage with somebody that your perceptions are so odd. Like you can't even say something and no. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, Will and I are similar that way. Like if he says left, I say, right. Not yeah. just to be different, but like our yeah. brains. Just, and it makes you see yeah, those no, pictures but... of like the scribble lines to like get into more. Yeah. So anyways, <laughs> um, back to our wedding, um, his vows, he said that I inspired him. And that was the first time that like, I had gotten a glimmer of like, Oh, he does like appreciate, like, it's not yeah. all just like, he sees go, you. go, go. It's like, yeah. I show him that you can take chances because he is so safe. He is like, I, he can't even order in the drive-thru because there's too many choices. And that's, <laughs> that's what I say. Luke will never cheat on me because he hates making choices. <laughs> there's more of that, but it's just like, you know, for him to say that I inspired him was just like. Mm-hmm. my whole heart right there I cried yeah. the whole time <laughs> yeah well and I mean I think I think when people say opposites attract I think there is a reason because like I said me and Morgan say this to each other all the time like we're not each other's type mm. like like not at all like <laughs> but like just the love that that has somehow grown and for some reason we were brought together like I can't imagine the person I would be if I was with someone who was quote my type Mm -hmm. like I wouldn't be good it would not be it would be (laughs) so toxic (laughs) you know and we find ourselves in those relationships all the time and what we need to remember is our marriage isn't our only relationship like you Mm -hmm. don't need your husband to be your ultimate confidant or everything encouragement like that's what your girlfriends are for like that's what your person is for when you you know you got to find that balance of yeah what role you want your partner to have like it's forever mm-hmm. changing yes but yeah they don't need to fill this we don't even know what we want like when we're like partner do this x yeah. y and z like fix fix everything i don't know what i need <laughs> but i need you to tell me what yes. i need but yeah. you know what luke usually does know so <laughs> yeah yeah, no. Yeah. You guys are soulmates. Mm-hmm. I think that Katie and Will too, soulmates, Morgan and I, I'm like, oh, I don't know if I used to really believe in that, but now I'm like, I see what it is. Cause it is 
there's a large part of it that's hard work, but there's also a large part of it that was just like, this is. And I love the idea of it's, it's such a well-rounded perspective. Like mm-hmm. it's not just seeing things through my limited view and my blinders. It's like yeah. his whole perspective and together it's like, oh, it's so balanced. It's like, makes perfect sense. And when Luke and I build something, we do a lot of projects together. It's like his thinking and my thinking cover everything <laughs> like right. X, Y's and T's, like all the corners we thought of it. And like, it's really rewarding, especially when building a chicken coop. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, I love it. All right. So, um, what's, what would be one thing that you think you're able to give to Summer and, and Willow and Johnny that you wish either you had had or that all kids had the chance to experience? Well, I mean, I think that this question would be different for each child, obviously, right, right. because they are so different. But I hope that I can teach Summer. Like I know, like I mentioned earlier, she's quite anxious, just like, right very fearful and in tune like she feels so much and that's I felt that as a child too like nobody was on my level of knowing that I was like above right (laughs) so I just want Summer to grow up knowing that if people don't understand how she's feeling or on it like she is so intuitive that book that you suggested um empathy survival guide yeah it wasn't just for me to understand how sensitive i am but like i learned so many things about dealing with summer right and like i just want to teach her that it's okay to feel like don't ever lose that just light she's so golden mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> willow is so sure of herself she is absolutely just like perfection I have no issues with Willow and like I think I'm just here to like nurture her I have no clue what to do with Willow because she's just like she's very sweet Mm -hmm. she needs me a lot so I think just to love her yeah and Johnny I want him to just take life a little more seriously (laughs) so um I listened to Nolani's podcast and you asked a really interesting question of um your miscarriage and if you felt like Tilly was the same soul yeah and I've had four miscarriages and I feel in my heart it was Johnny every time it was this wild rambunctious little boy Mm -hmm. that is just here for a good time and he from day one has just showed up he was such a good baby just Mm -hmm. sleep and um go to restaurant just lay him on the table just lay there and look around and now he's just shock value like anything to make somebody laugh like he doesn't care he's just here (laughs) so like you ask what I want to give to my children. Johnny just wants to make everybody laugh. Like that's a reward. So like, I just want to teach him to be a little more connected. Right. How can I teach him as a man? He's home with three women all the time. So I'm sure like he maybe does need a little more like masculine energy, mm-hmm. but just to show up and be kind. I want him, I don't need to get into daddy or brother issues, but 
I want to teach him like how to love unconditionally, a gentle love, you know, not like a circumstantial love or yes, punishing love, whatever it is that men get so in the cycle of because they don't know right the feelings that they're having. So (laughs) yeah, be in touch. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. So good. All the things. I'm just like, I can't wait to listen to this. Yeah, I know. You know, so would you have any like final messages or like a message you would? Well, I would like to say first and foremost, please try your best to take nostril breaths at least once a day. (laughs) (laughs) No, where are those nostrils? Um, Just. It all starts. One of the most grounding practices there is, is to breathe. And it's that simple. Mm-hmm. It's really, you have a moment, just breathe. I, I would like to encourage people to just breathe more freely and sigh. <sighs> We're taught it's rude. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of power in knowing what your breath does to your brain. Yes. So we'll, we'll just end there. Cause I, I'm going to tangent again. <laughs> And I also want to encourage everybody to try yoga, I guess. Like Mm -hmm. one of my principles is I think you should try it. I think you should try it with as many different teachers as you can, because everybody has something different to offer everybody. Mm -hmm. And we all have our specific likes and flavors. So if you're interested in trying yoga, I think today's a great day to do it. Mm -hmm. And you don't need to put any pressure on yourself because we're all just showing up regardless. You're not in any less position than anybody else. And I think that you should try to go outside as often as you can. Luke always says, if you're feeling stuck, go outside and have a walk. So yeah. (laughs) Wise words of Luke. Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. So where can everybody find you, Britt? Um, Well, you can find me on Instagram at the.well. And mm-hmm. you can find me on the Facebook yoga with B. And if there's any questions, it's info yoga with B at gmail.com. Okay. And I'm in white court, evermore yoga, white court community yoga, Woo-hoo. small town, easy to find <laughs> yoga, Brittany. <laughs> That's awesome. Thanks right. ladies. This is great. No, it's so you. good to have you. So proud of you. Aww. We're proud of you. Yes. You don't need to be proud of us. We need to be proud of you. Uh, <laughs> all right. We'll see you guys next week. See you.